and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 51st episode of the podcast for the week of May 6th, 2019. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I am so happy to welcome back Australian-born professional astrologer extraordinaire, Kelly Surtees, who will be joining me on the podcast for a discussion on mingling with Venus. So before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me here today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access to the podcast for as little as $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. And if you would like to make a one-time donation to help support my work, you can also do so uh through my tip jar, which is on my website over at energeticprinciples.com. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady is now in her waxing cycle as she grows in light after last weekend's new moon in Taurus, with her kicking off this week in communicative Gemini. She hangs out in this airy realm until moving into the sensitive, security-oriented waters of Cancer on Wednesday. She will swim along until gliding into the creative fires of Leo on Friday and where she will head towards her first quarter moon position on Saturday uh, of evening. Although we will be feeling that, I think, on Friday and Saturday both, but we will talk about that more later. Um, Now, on Sunday, she's going to move into uh, earthy and purifying Virgo as we celebrate that Mother's Day holiday, uh, so things will start to stable out by then. So now just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, add about eight hours. And if you are in Australia or in the East, add about 17 hours or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to one another, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. All right. So this week, oh my goodness, there's plenty going on this week. We have Mercury moving into Taurus and then making a conjunction with electric Uranus right at the beginning of the sign there. Uh, And then we have Venus in Aries who is getting all lit up as she meets Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto this week. Uh, And of course, the sun in Taurus is also making supportive connections with Neptune and Saturn as well. So this is bound to be an active and uh, especially relational type of week. So let us not waste any time and dive right in. 
On Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Gemini, and she will actually not be making any aspects here in North America on Monday. Um, but she, not her, but Mercury, however, Mercury will be moving into Taurus that day. And so our intellectual process is going to slow and root down into the practical realities here as the messenger moves through the grounded earth of Taurus. Yet not before we kick off the ingress with an upcoming in conjunction to Uranus, uh, which I will speak more on that uh, here in, in a little bit. Now, where in Aries, we were blazing right through, you know, we were inspired with certain ideas and, and certain possibilities, you were kind of throwing those around. Um, and the pace of information was probably coming in at more of a lightning speed. Well, now our minds will be more cautious and more deliberate. Um, and we are going to want to understand things and to take our time um, and really whatever comes our way, we are going to want to uh, approach intellectually with a greater practicality than maybe what we saw when Mercury was in Aries. Uh, yet Mercury is flying by at some of the fastest speeds in its cycle as it goes through Taurus. Um, so we might be processing a little speedier than, uh, than our normal Taurus transit there. Yet having patience with the mind and its process will be of benefit as we hone in on the pragmatic concerns that need our focus most. So Mercury will be in Taurus until May 21st, which is actually not a long time. And then the second it moves into Gemini, it's actually going to make its superior conjunction with the sun, which is actually going to bring a lot of clarity our way, I think, especially with Mercury and dignity. Uh, But we will have to wait until about May 21st for that to happen. So the bottom line for Monday is, is that emotions are kicking around all the ideas as the moon moves through Gemini and entertains the many prospects that are before her. However, Mercury is moving into a new sign and approaching the electricity of Uranus, so this Gemini moon passage may be a little more restless than most, just considering the configurations there. Um, So you may want to air things out with some friends if you find yourself kind of circling the mental drain, as I like to call it, um, for talking through those possibilities may be comforting at this time. Now, on Tuesday, the moon is still in Gemini, and she will square Neptune super early in the morning, probably why we sleep, so watch for your dreams on Tuesday morning. Uh, And she will also sextile Venus, oppose Jupiter, and make a conjunction to Mars later in the day. And so transits of note on Tuesday is we have Venus squaring Saturn, which is not the most uh, desired Venus transit, I would have to say. Um, And so what does this mean? Well, Venus is the planet that is about relationships and and what we open up to and what we're attracted to or draw in in life. Um, And also about cultivating balance and harmony and compromise. Now, squares just by nature are going to bring some tension. Um, and some challenge, but also are going to cause events and, and activate, you know, these planets in some way. And so what is Venus activating? Well, that is Saturn. And Saturn's all about uh, structure and commitment and, you know, the responsibility we place um, into things or relationships per se. Um, and so we're looking at the long term and kind of consolidating, and so, as the, as we roll through this week's Venus transits, because this is not the only one, we must keep in mind that she is in the sign of Aries and in her detriment, meaning that she is not mingling in a way that is her normal, cooperative, and unifying self. 
I'm going to keep these Venus segments short as Kelly and I uh, will be going into more depth on these placements later in the program and just Venus in general. But what I will say is that our fiery self-focused Venus is challenged by restrictive Saturn, which can bring some dry coldness to Venus's normal warmth and moisture. And so relations may feel a little distant, either in psychic space or in physical separation, like literally being separated from someone. And it may be making it hard to connect with others. Yet it does give us the ability to stand in our own space uh, and have that solo authority. For sometimes we need to connect with the I before we can find stable ground with the we. And so new roadblocks may cause friction around stability and our own needs and desires may initiate boundaries around what is practical for the long term, making this a particularly heavy time in the relating department. So just FYI, midweek, just this week in general, there is a heavier uh, tone there to relationships. And so the bottom line for Tuesday is, is that conversations are alight as Luna continues her jaunt through Gemini and touches down with our gal Venus, adding to the social quality of the day. The opposition to Jupiter may have us ping-ponging from confidence to self-doubt about where we are headed, and the conjunction to Mars is likely to bring up maybe some verbal aggression or some potential moodiness later on in the day. We just may be feeling irritated and particularly mentally irritated. So try not to jump to conclusions as the mind and the mouth may be working overtime, and our feelings on the matter will be rather strong. Now, on Wednesday, we have the moon in Cancer now, and she will make a sextile to Uranus and Mercury. And so two things of note happening on Wednesday. We have Mercury making the conjunction to Uranus that I spoke of earlier, and we also have the sun making a sextile to Neptune. So Mercury, Mercury is the messenger. He brings information in, news, uh, perceptions, understanding, conversations, you know, these types of things. We're getting, think, we're talking it out here. Um, and any type of conjunction is going to fuse the two planets together and begin some sort of new cycle. And so what new cycle is Mercury initiating here? And that's around Uranus, which is usually some sort of awakening or a, a turnaround of some sort, but it needs Needs to go through some sort of storm that may be rather sudden or unexpected in order to have that aha moment. Um, and so now Mercury is actually following the sun inch by inch here, which luckily for us means that we get doses of conscious hits before Mercury shadows the transits of the sun. So here we have the messenger meeting the lightning of Uranus, and the week overall may have a layer of restless nervousness to it as we find our minds rushing off down different avenues as information downloads in and we get a sudden mental awakening that starts a whole new cycle of understanding. Now, keep in mind, news may come out of the blue, and we may be presented with sudden situations that ask that we, you know, think on our feet. Uh, More than likely, this is around practical concerns like finances, job offers, housing matters, etc. And the slower pace of Mercury in Taurus may, like, um, may go out the window with Uranus around. You know, they're, they're conflicting energies there. So regardless, excitement, Uh, is going to be in the air now, and there's going to be some shaking uh, that is transferred uh, via word um, through some of our more rooted conditions and, and, you know, situations in life. 
Now, with the sun making a sextile to Neptune, because the sun is our conscious force, you know, it's it's the life force. It's bringing in vitality and bringing in awareness. And I'd say whenever the sun touches down with any planet, we are essentially turning some sort of page in our book. Um, now, this is a sextile, so it is an opportunity, but we do have to open the door to it. It just doesn't happen. Um, and so where is the door opening? The door of awareness. Well, you know, Neptune is a about, um, it's a removal of boundaries because it has a dissolving quality. Um, and it, 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 you know, but it also has a dissolution and there could be some confusion um, or there might be some loss that we need to open up to or a letting go of in some way. But it also helps us tap into that spiritual inspiration uh, that can help guide our conscious understanding. So now with the sun sextiling Neptune on the very same day, uh, you know, that we have Mercury conjuncting Uranus, there is a part of our conscious awareness that can surrender to the flow at this time, especially if we may need to be more giving of ourselves with others or to take a compassionate and loving approach around what is illuminated at this time. We may be asked to be of assistance or find that we need it on our own ends. So, you know, lend a, lend a hand to a friend in need if you're able to, or don't be afraid to ask uh, for assistance too if you find yourself on the other side of things. Because there's also a spiritual quality to the nature of this transit. And with all the aspects that are swirling around in the sky this week, it would be of benefit to get quiet and listen into spirit. For if we choose to do so, we are likely to get the subtle nudgings that we seek, or what I like to call the spiritual breadcrumbs. Because Mercury conjunct Uranus is going to put a lot of pressure on us and maybe to act quickly, yet we want to be in tune with our own spirit and guidance in order to uh, go the right direction for us. So now the bottom line for Wednesday is that emotional energy slows down a bit um, and gets sensitive on matters of security now that the moon is waxing through the sign of cancer. And the Mercury-Uranus conjunction is highlighted by the moon's transit as well. And we may be taking on a subjective view to whatever it is we encounter because uh, water and cancer in particular is very subjective. And so you may feel the need to talk some things out and entertain out-of-the-box solutions with that sextile to Uranus, which is actually a perfect day uh, to do it today. Yet it may take vulnerability and a dropping of our defenses to get the conversation started in the first place. Now, on Thursday, the moon is in Cancer, and she will try Neptune, sextile the sun, uh, and then goes a little heavy there with an opposition to Saturn and Pluto, and then a square to Venus. And so Venus is getting a workout on Thursday, most certainly, because she is also trining Jupiter that day, and she will make a square to Pluto. And so we've already determined that Venus is that relational quality, that attraction quality, what we open up to, how we create harmony. Well, on one side, she is trining towards Jupiter, and a trine removes all boundaries. Things just flow. There's no obstacles. We are moving. Uh, And where are we moving to? Well, that's Jupiter, and that is actual movement. (laughs) That's growth. That's an expansion of our world and our, our horizons. Now, Venus squaring Pluto, on the other hand, we've already determined that squares uh, activate and challenge us in some way. And so what's this challenge? Well, Pluto is about change. It's about 
transforming a situation and purifying it in a way that asks that we get quite honest and maybe tackle some deep uh, and potentially intense emotional material that is around it. And so now with Venus flowing with Jupiter and causing tension with Pluto, we may have to say yes to something that expands our horizons, yet also asks great change of us. And so the universe asks that we open to growth at this time, and there really is no way of getting around that. Yet Pluto and Capricorn may try to bring some power struggles into the equation or bring forth some emotional intensity within our partnerships that is needing to be worked through. And the changes are happening in the physical sphere, and we are being prodded to find the enthusiasm necessary to rebirth the old and transition into the new, yet it may be a rather uncomfortable space. Yes, there will be intensity, but there will also be opportunity with this configuration too. So we're going to need to be the warrior that Venus and Aries represents, or the warrior S, should I say, Um, and we may need to be that so that we are able to conquer whatever challenge comes our way. So the bottom line for Thursday is is that tension is arising from our Venus contacts with the moon also squaring Venus and making an opposition to the heaviness of Saturn and Pluto. And being uh, in opposition, we are likely dealing with relationships and problems that are presented outside of us. Yet with the sextile to the sun, we can see some relief in our conscious understanding, but that won't make relating any easier. So find time to nurture yourself and others today in whatever way you can, for sometimes we all need a little tenderness even when the going gets tough. So now on Friday, the moon is in Leo and will square Uranus and Mercury. So we're going to be activating that uh, Mercury-Uranus conjunction once again. And so no aspects on Friday, although first quarter is definitely brewing at this time. But the bottom line is that energy quickens and the drama heats up as the moon moves through Leo and makes a square to Uranus and Mercury. And so restlessness is in the air and we are all likely to be feeling the fires of our own needs. Um, And, you know, these two together, disruptions are likely. And, you know, news may come in that shakes some things up and brings some excitable energy our way. And so the day will likely go rather fast, uh, but will be challenging in its own right. Yet do what you can to stay grounded. The mind will be colored by our subconscious motivations at this time with that square to Mercury, uh, which can cause trouble or bring understanding. So stay aware and flexible at this time. Now, on Saturday, we have our first quarter moon in Leo, uh, which will happen at 6.12 p.m. here on the Pacific Coast. Uh, And along the way, she will square the sun, which is our first quarter moon, and then make a nice trine to Jupiter there. And so aside from first quarter, we also have the sun making a trine to Saturn that day. And so we already established that the sun uh, brings some conscious awareness our way and helps to turn a page through that understanding. Now, uh, once again, trines, you know, there are no boundaries there. We are flowing and we are just going that direction. So we are going in the direction with our new awareness towards Saturn, which once again is that commitment that long-term plan, how we organize uh, things in our life and what we take responsibility for. 
And so now we will be feeling this uh, around the surrounding days. So keep in mind, because the sun moves, we're going to be feeling this transit throughout the whole week. So that's going to color everything that I've already talked about, Um, you know, especially after the Venus squares that we go through. And since the sun, you know, is in Taurus, uh, it is essentially represented by Venus. So we kind of have a continuation of her story within this sun-Saturn trine. Now, on a mundane note, this transit definitely impacts our ability to work hard and get projects underway that need our attention. So despite all the interpersonal uh, dynamics that are at play, this is a solid week of self-discipline and practical focus. So after we encounter all the transits that I just spoke of, our conscious awareness that is currently in a sign that persistently manifests, because Taurus is that manifestation energy, uh, will turn the spotlight on the long term and the overall plan we have in place. So we may see where we need to pull back and constrict, or perhaps the many options that were on the table just a week ago now narrow in on a more steady and singular focus. And so patience is still needed. So flow towards a solid approach to help give your world a sense of order and stability. Now, with that first quarter moon in Leo, it'll be happening at 21 degrees Leo, um, you know, we're pushing off the lunar cycle, essentially, and trining Jupiter. So there is an emotional tension around stabilizing our passions at this time and pushing forward in the name of growth. Um, Now, following the heart is key at this time uh, because that's essentially what is pushing us forward. And listening to love will help navigate the energy that is activating at the end of this week. So with all that Venus tension, it may be challenging to show affection or perhaps there is some drama in place that is affecting us emotionally. And so inspiration from the heart will be guiding the way. So kick off in that direction and follow the light of the fire to help stabilize any of that tension. Because the moon will then trine Venus after that trine to Jupiter. So we have a nice flowing, uh, grand uh, fire trine going on, which will help um, inspire in, in some ways. So the bottom line for Saturday is, is that first quarter heats things up, yet it's all in the name of growth. So we may find that the day prior was actually more challenging than today, you know, with that heavy lunar lineup that we had going on. Um, And so the energy will uh, stable out a bit as we receive the Sun-Saturn trine um, and then that lovely trine to Jupiter. So do something you love today, if not for the sake of joy, (laughs) you know, because we all need a little fun and pleasure in our lives, especially as the moon is, uh, you know, looking towards um, the sun while in Leo, which is in Taurus there. That might be a lot to take in. Even my mind was wrapping around that. So, all right. So we're on to Sunday, Sunday fun day. And so Sunday, we have the moon in Leo and she will move to Virgo rather early in the morning here on the Pacific coast. Uh, And before she does, she'll trine Venus, uh, make a sextile to Mars. And then later in the day, she'll make a trine to Uranus. Now, Sunday, uh, also of note, is Mother's Day. So happy uh, Mother's Day to all you mothers out there or soon-to-be mothers or, uh, you know, fur baby mothers like myself um, or anybody who has a mother, you know. (laughs) That's how we got here to begin with. So give a shout-out to all those mothers out there and show them your love. 
Um, now, we don't have any aspects perfecting on Sunday. So the bottom line is, is that we wake up still in the heart-centered space of the lion, yet not long after we move into the care-oriented sign of Virgo. With that trying to Uranus, we may want to shake things up and stray from our normal routines today. Or perhaps there's a problem that needs solving that we now have the precision to pull apart and fix rather easily. It may just be that we are all exhausted from the week and attending to our chores and retiring for the day is really all that is uh, on the agenda. Now, since it's Mother's Day, this would be an excellent day, you know, to pamper yourself uh, and mom. Or if you're the mom, you know, get some pampering in there um, and with that mind-body connection. Because, uh, and maybe in a way that is rather... Uh, you know, out of the ordinary, which is actually the topic of this week's uh, tarot subscription if you're on my Patreon. Uh, Because, you know, sometimes it's good to pamper yourself in a way that you are not used to or that you find rather uh, a luxury. And so um, now if you care for yourself and kind of shake it up in that department, you may find that your your health starts to recover from this week and you're able to kind of clear out and purify yourself for the week ahead. All right, so let's wrap it all up here. Uh, So basically, this week, relationships get tested as we move through long-term considerations for the sake of growth, while we wax forward in a lunar cycle that is setting us up for transformative conditions within our partnerships to others. We are mentally awakened at this time with an unhindered awareness that is helping us to stabilize the road ahead. So taking our time while weighing all the factors will be key. So now let's take a look at the cards because they always add a little something something to everything I just talked about. And so this week I drew the Knight of Wands as the focus and the King of Pentacles as the grounding. So here we have two court cards showing up. Um, Now with the Knight of Wands as the focus, this active and fiery energy rushes forward to make things happen with passion and ambition being the driving force towards the goal of his desire. And this knight is not afraid to take a risk or to try new things in life and to enthusiastically move forward towards whatever project he's got in his sights. He's got a charm to him that could sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman in white gloves. So be aware of those pushing their own agendas this week or if you find yourself doing the same. Because there is also an impulsive and restless energy to this night that may act out of haste. So let's confer with our grounding card for a little practical advice. Now, with the King of Pentacles as the grounding, this card represents a pragmatic wisdom and stability that helps manage and plan in a well-thought-out way. really speaks to our Saturn principle this week. So you can see our knight and king are of different creeds, yet if we enthusiastically move forward within the grounded earth wisdom of the king, or at least defer to it before making great haste, we may be able to lay a strong foundation that leads to stable enterprises. And this card also has the ability to achieve power and success through the embodiment of self-control and a practical approach to work and financial matters. Now, last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the dove. (laughs) 
Our feathered friend here is here to remind us to slow down. See, I was even speaking too fast in that moment. (laughs) So we want to slow down this week and pause and breathe, Um, especially if we find ourselves getting caught up in the hustle and bustle of the Knight of Wands energy, uh, where we, you know, may need moments to kind of gather ourselves and reconnect with our own inner serenity so that we are approaching life situations from a clear and loving place. So if you find yourself feeling anxious or fearful or rushing to figure out a solution to something that seems maybe a little evasive at this time or all the evidence isn't in, take a breather, literally, and reconnect to your body through the breath and a moment of leisure. Uh, Because centering ourselves helps to keep the body, mind, and spirit in alignment, which then brings a peaceful and harmonious state that is much easier to navigate life through. Now, if you want to go deeper with the energy of the week and how it will interact with you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. So every week I have a custom spread that I release that is aligned with the transits that are going on in the sky. And so you do your own uh, tarot polls to see how those transits uh, you know, work for you on a symbolic level. And so last week we worked on taking good care, and this week we are working on out of routine. And as I told you earlier, kind of maybe pampering ourselves in a way that we're not used to. So if you want to find out more about this offering, you can check out a freebie spread over at Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right. I am so delighted to welcome back the fabulous Kelly Surtees. Thank you for joining me, Kelly. My pleasure, Mel. Thank you so much for having me back. Oh, I'm so excited to have her back. Of course, I'll throw a little line, like, sparingly, because I know Kelly is a busy gal out there in the astro world. (laughs) Um, So I will take her when I can get her. Oh, my gosh. Of course. I love to do your show. It's fantastic. Always make room for it. Oh, good. I really appreciate that. Well, for those who have not uh, heard of Kelly, which they should actually know of her um, because she has a lot of brilliant things to say. She's been on before. We talked about Venus retrograde back when Venus retrograded through uh, Scorpio and Libra. Um, But if you haven't heard from her before, Kelly, will you give a little uh, quick background? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm an Australian astrologer and I live currently in Canada, although I am moving to Europe in July uh, for my husband's work. That's a little bit on the personal front, but yeah, I've been a professional astrologer oh my God, I'm giving my age away now for nearly 20 years. (laughs) And it is my great joy and pleasure to work with people every day around astrology. So I offer consults, uh, I teach classes, I run a mentoring program for senior students and new astrologers. And I also run a lot of online uh, webinars as well. So there's a lot of uh, astrology training that I offer too. Yes. And yeah, she has a plethora of things over at Astrology University. If you recall uh, an interview I did a while back with Tony Howard, Kelly is very much tied up in that enterprise. (laughs) Tony is my buddy. He's like my everything where work is concerned. So, And the other big exciting news is that I recently signed a contract for my first book, which will be on predicting with progressions. And that's due out middle of 2020. So that's really exciting. How exciting is that? Oh, yay. 
So we're going to get, we're going to concrete Kelly's knowledge into something that we can read here. Yes. I've been wanting to write a book on astrology. Well, this particular book for quite some time. So I'm thrilled to, uh, to get going with it. Yeah. Cause you're quite a progressions person. That's one of your main predictive tools you go to. I'm a little bit obsessed with progressions. Yes. Yeah. I just find them so effective and, uh, yeah. So they're one of my favorite timing tools and I realized the way I work with progressions is very practical, but it's a little bit unique because I combine some traditional elements as well as sort of the modern uh, context. And so, yeah, I've got some really um, practical tools to help people understand the technique, use it for themselves, but also share it with friends and family and clients. So we're going to put all the juicy bits into the book. Nice. Well, I cannot wait to purchase that when that is out. <laughs> I'll Thank be patient. You so much. Um, and if you are a, a member of uh, ISAR or ESAR, however you'd like to say that, I think Kelly, didn't you just did a one of their star clubs on uh, the Progress I, Sun, right? I did. Yeah, back in March, I did a webinar on the Progress Sun, which is a great intro webinar to progressions. So yeah, if you are an ESAR member or ISAR, I never quite know how to say it. Me either. either. <laughs> But actually we should probably like, yeah, ESA is doing this amazing offering right now where once or twice a month, they're offering webinars that I think are free to attend if you're a member. They are. So they are also running a huge conference in Denver in September of 2020, which I'll be speaking at. So I, that's, we're trying to get the book out for that. Mm. Uh, but yeah, shout out to ESA, feeling the love. I know. I mean, I, they, it's funny because I signed up for uh, ESAR when, right before UAC uh, because you get a discount on your, uh, your admission with UAC if you were a part of one of the larger organizations. And so I looked at all yes. the ones that they had to offer um, and Isar just spoke the most to me, but it, that was right around the time it started the star club and yes. what a great time to join because, you know, I think it was maybe like 50, $55 a year. Um, and now they're putting out these webinars. I want to say every week, every other week. I mean, it's pretty frequent. It's, yeah. I feel like it might be every second week. It's definitely more than once a month for sure. Okay. Yeah. So that's so, a lot. A lot, of re- a lot of resource there and from people, astrologers all over the world and different topics and all that. So um, if you're into that sort of thing, which if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are, <laughs> you know, go on over and check that out. So ESAR is I-S-A-R, I'm assuming .com, but I'm sure you can Google that and they'll get yes. you there. So, um, all right. So Kelly and I are going to be talking about the topic of mingling with Venus because Venus does like to mingle. <laughs> and yes, yes, she does. Very social gal. Um, and of course, I thought of Kelly because Kelly, you have even in your logo, you have the Venus. Uh, I know. <laughs> I know. I when Tony was designing a new logo for me a few years ago. I was like, I want Jupiter and I want something circular, you know, because Jupiter is this lovely planet. Jupiter is really significant in my chart. And I just like the energy of Jupiter, you know, passion for teaching and sharing these ancient wisdom traditions. But he played around with it. And because the symbol for Jupiter is not symmetrical, Mm. it does not look good visually. And he said, I know you wanted Jupiter, but I just threw Venus in to see what you think. And I was like, I love it. Because of course, the Venus symbol, the round circle with the cross underneath, it is symmetrical. It's much more visually pleasing. And uh, yeah, so we... I do have Venus in my logo. Venus, and, and I should, Venus is one of those kind of subtle but very influential planets in my chart. And 
I always have fresh flowers. You know, I'm always feeding people sweet things. And, you know, I really love my girlfriends and my sisters. So it kind of uh, has become this motif. So I'm always happy to talk about my girl, Venus. That's funny. That's well, and how funny thinking about Venus in the aesthetic sense in general, and how yes. you, you went to that decision based on the, the you know the symmetry of the design of the glyph. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not. I when Tony and I first started working together, I said I'm not an images girl. I'm a words person. I can recognize when something looks good, but I don't know how to create pretty images. Mm. And yeah, the Venus thing was one of those things like that just looks great. Um, but then, yeah, when you break it down, the symmetry is kind of cool. So yeah, it's great to be back. I love how we're getting a theme with our conversations yeah. about Venus. <laughs> it's all about Venus here. It's all yes. about Venus here today. And especially because, and one of the reasons we're uh, discussing this and bringing it up, because when this episode airs and really the week and the week following, Venus is going to be going through some transits, as, <laughs> as we say. She's going to be yes. doing some things here. Um, and she's going to hit... Uh, Saturn, Jupiter, Pluto, and then the following week, Mars and Uranus. And um, so she is going to be mingling, uh, but how is the question? Yes. <laughs> and um, yes. She, she's got some mingling where there's some maybe tension or, you know, not seeing eye to eye. I think as we get a little further into May, she is mingling in a way that is definitely more pleasing or pleasant. So we just have to get around the boulders or the Badlands first, if you like. Yes, yes. And so uh, that being said, okay, so let's first start with Venus and like, yeah. what is Venus? Who is Venus? Who is this Venus girl we're talking about? What, what is she is all she about? about? What is- <laughs> Kelly, what is- who is this woman? <laughs> yes, yeah, so Venus is, so in modern astrology, we often say Venus is the planet of love and beauty and relationship. And, and she is all those things. She is, her primary principle is to unify or to unite. So she, her primary goal is to pull things together. She's a binding agent. Uh, in, there, there are some older, much older myths to do with Venus that do honor her as a little bit of a warrior woman too. So she does have these sort of two sides to her. But most commonly in astrology, you know, even in traditional forms of astrology, Venus was one of the main planets to do with marriage. Uh, and also Venus is to do with, I'd say, little luxuries. So those pleasant, enjoyable things that you have in life. So, you know, a a bouquet of flowers, a beautiful piece of chocolate cake, uh, maybe going for a massage, maybe being outside. It can be quality time with friends. Venus is, is those things that bind you to people or experiences that make you feel good, basically. Mm, Yes. And, uh, and Venus, Venus is a lot of times associated with attraction, right? Like what what do we like? What are we attracted to? And not just, you know, physical love or anything like that. It's just anything that kind of calls to our senses and we're we're drawn into and um, like a magnet almost. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think, you know, Venus has her rulership in two different signs. She's got, we've got the cooler version of Venus in earth, which is more tactile and physical. So it is, it sounds and smells and tastes and anything tactile. But Venus also has her more outgoing version, which is connected to her rulership of the sign of Libra, which is more about pleasing ideas or interactions and things like that. So there are a lot of components to her, if you like. 
Yes. And that makes sense because Libra, where maybe Taurus is more the more the sensual attraction or the more earthly or like even attraction to chocolate, you know, a lot of us might be. Um, but then that Libra maybe takes in more of that social element and attracted to, uh, you know, but popular because Venus is popular, right? She's- yeah. I mean, Venus, I always say when you're having a Venus transit or depending on where Venus is in your chart, everybody wants more of Venus. You know, it, it tastes good. It, you know, whoever says, I'll stop after one piece of chocolate, you know, or that's enough fresh flowers, thanks, I don't need any more. Like, if you think about the Venus things and your definition of what's beautiful will be unique to you, but when you think something's beautiful or pleasing or tasteful, you always want more of it. Uh, so she has that. But, yeah, the, the charm and the magnetism, you know, she, Venus pulls things in. That's one of the big differences between Venus and Mars. So when you're talking about that attractive principle, it's not just something is pretty to look at. Um, it is that magnetism of I'm draw- I've got some sort of sweet, pleasant energy or smell, you know, like the cake baking in the oven always pulls the kids into the kitchen kind of thing. You follow that sweetness to get more of it. And that's the, the attractive principle, if you like. Yes, I love it. I, I just I just had an image of Pepe Le Pew, uh, yes. like as he's following the the cat and just like following the scent. <laughs> the scent, yeah. Now, not everyone's going to think a cat is a great scent, but but you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, yeah. and that's the thing. Whatever you enjoy will be d- defined by Venus in your personal chart. Yes, to each their own. We shall say. Yes. Yes. Well, and okay, so let's talk about that Venus in, in like, and where she hangs out. Because I think it's funny that the last time we talked, she was in her, uh, her detriment, her quote unquote detriment place yeah. of Scorpio. And now we're back again when she's in her detriment place of Aries. I know, that's a bit of a weak link. Yeah, we keep, we keep convening when Venus is in her, uh, and so what does that mean, Kelly, when, when some, when, how can she be in detriment in these two signs? Yeah, so basically when a planet is in detriment, it means that it's placed in a sign that is at odds with the nature of the planet. And the one thing that Aries and Scorpio have in common is that their traditional ruling planet is Mars. And so Venus likes to unify and bind together and bond and enjoy, whereas Mars is more... Um, sharp and outward, you know, Mars goes on the attack to get what he wants, whereas Venus dolls herself up and pulls in. So the way Venus and Mars operate is very different. Mars is more of a solo kind of go it alone planet, whereas Venus does prefer company and togetherness. So when we say a planet like Venus is in detriment in Scorpio and in Aries, it means that she's not going to be able to do typically Venus things while she's in those signs. Now, she's going to be able to do things. They're just not going to be her favorite things. So right now, until May 15, we have Venus in the sign of independent Aries, which means Venus's preference for togetherness and quality time is out the window right now. And Venus in Aries is encouraging us all to make choices more independently. And from that place of, I want this, or I don't want that, which is a great thing to develop, not always easy to do. Mm -hmm. And when you do do it, it doesn't tend to encourage more togetherness. 
So that's where the detriment piece comes in is Venus in Aries has to do something specific, but it's unlikely to lead to more togetherness right now. Yes. And I have noticed that in my, in my own relationships and relationships outside of me, you know, because if we, we have our eyes out there and we're able to filter this back to observe. And it's true. I think a lot of people right now are, are, you know, it is very much self considerations that are coming up within partnerships and decisions are being made versus on the unique entities rather than together. And even in my own relationship, I find that I am actually uh, open in a way to my partner where I'm saying, well, what do you want? Like I'm like on the other side where I'm like kind of like Venusing out in a way that I want to uh, help flourish what it is that he needs and what he wants, which is yes. an interesting. <laughs> um, so you're but, trying to get him to, to to speak from that I want place. You want him to think about what he wants as an individual rather than what he thinks is best for the two of you as a couple. Basically. Yes, or even what he thinks best with in any that he's going towards or attracted to at this particular time. Because I think a lot of us have a lot of big decisions or, or big, you know, shifts going on right now as Kelly and I, before we hit record, we were talking about a, their astrology podcast, a 2019 preview and in, in the meat grinder that Austin. Yes. <laughs> My very poetic um, astro brother, Austin. Yes. Um, and so some of us might feel like we're in the meat grinder in some respects. And, and some of that might be in the relating department or, uh, or kind of filtering out what it is we are attracted to in life and how we are uh, opening to that moving forward here. Yeah. I think, you know, one of Venus's tendencies is she defaults to compromise basically. And when she's in one of these Mars ruled signs like Aries or even Scorpio, she's more inclined to hold that individual perspective. And I do think Venus in Aries right now, like I think even in my own relationship, it's like each of us are in our separate corners. We've, We've both got a lot of stuff going on, but it is not about doing that stuff together necessarily. I'm even going away this weekend for a girls weekend where it's like all of us are leaving, you know, our partners or our (laughs) lives just to go and do something for us, you know. Uh, Now that's going to change because May 15, after Venus gets through her own uh, mini challenge period, she will move into Taurus, which is one of her home signs, and she'll be more open to connection and collaboration. But that's basically what the detriment of Venus means is she's not bad. She's not dysfunctional. She's just operating in a way that is not according to her personal preferences or priorities. Yes. And that makes total sense. And even in just the examples that we gave, and I love how you're going on a woman's retreat weekend, like how Venus is that. Um, That's, I love it. And so, so here we know that Taurus and Libra is this very supportive place where Venus tends to function very well and can do her Venusian duties (laughs) um, or lack thereof, because (laughs) Venus is not necessarily the known for hard work per se. Um, And then we have Air Aries and Scorpio there, that brings in that Mars tendency, which is more of a separative type of quality. Um, Now, how about when Venus is, because Venus was in Pisces not too long ago here, and that's the sign of what's known as her exaltation. Um, So, I mean, what's Venus doing when she's exalted versus, you know... Yeah, so there's almost an idealized um, up on a pedestal version of a planet when they're exalted. So Venus in Pisces is a little bit of a different creature, if you like, in that 
there is the, the qualities of the sign of Pisces do come into how that exaltation uh, will manifest. So Venus in Pisces is the ideal or the aspiration of unconditional love or sort of unending compassionate support. There is a deep well of kindness and consideration that Venus in Pisces has. Um, now, as much as it is the exaltation placement of Venus, there is a little problem that Venus in Pisces has, and that is that she's so giving and so generous that she often you know, gives to the point where she does leave herself a little bit empty. Mm. But that's, that, that's the ideal. It's like, what is the best case version of togetherness and bonding? It's supporting in a way where there are no limits. And that's what Venus in Pisces, I think, really aspires to. Yeah, no, that's good answer, Kelly. Good answer. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, mean, Venus in Pisces is also incredibly artistic and creative. So, you know, someone like Maya Angelou, who has Venus in Pisces, you know, this beautiful poet, this beautiful writer. So there is an emotional, evocative quality mm-hmm. to Venus in Pisces that weaves that artistry in, whether it's music or poetry, you can get some really just moving expressions of ideas and art with that Venus in Pisces placement. Yes, yes. Because Venus is a very uh, receptive planet that is associated with creativity and, and, you know, Fecund- I'm trying to think of the right word, but I can't. Yeah. I'm going to try to... Fecundity. Absolutely. Yes, I was yeah. going the right way. <laughs> yeah, that's. I really think of that as a Taurus word, but, but that's because I associate it with the earth and the land. Um, but there is a, a, like, Venus in Pisces particularly is very fertile, very inspired. I mean, Venus wants to make things beautiful. And so she kind of does that in slightly different ways in Pisces and in Taurus and in Libra. But in either way, you're going to get this really pleasant. Um, in Pisces, you'll get inspiring as well because of the Pisces is traditionally ruled by Jupiter so that we get the, the higher version of Venus there. Yes. And so we have Venus in, in Taurus and we kind of uh, aligned her with uh, doing well, maybe in that earthly sensibility there. Um, but how about her fall position on the other side, across pond from Pisces when she's in Virgo? In Virgo. Um, and <laughs> oh, Venus in Virgo. She gets a bit stressed out there. Yeah. Um, Virgo is a sign that has this really extreme attention to detail. So Venus in Virgo is excellent for managing a lot of details. But there is a self-critical streak that can manifest or a perfectionist streak with Venus in Virgo where one can be quite difficult on themselves, especially if there is some, you know, Venus in Virgo, not always, but it can um, sometimes indicate some issues to do with self-worth or Mm self-esteem, that criticism of the body because Virgo being an earth sign. Um, Venus in Virgo is often you know, working very hard to try and support other people. Um, but she does, she, she worries herself a little. She sort of works herself into a worry frenzy at times. Oh, poor, <laughs> dear yeah. Venus and Virgo. Um, I mean, it's, somebody, I was reading an article recently. So this is not my phrase. It's the writer's phrase. And now I think, oh God, I've got to figure out which writer it is. But they, I think they were referencing um, Venus in Virgo as a... Um, as a piece to do with um, like the Cinderella complex. Mm. And that I think is what bothers Venus in Virgo is it just feels a little bit too much. I've got, I've got to work sort of too hard or I've got to work a lot harder than what I would like to. Um, so if anyone can remember where they, where I've read that. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. 
<laughs> Does anyone know where Kelly was read that? Uh, I, I feel horrible when I don't um, I, reference people, but um, I, I feel you. I yes, did the same it, thing. <laughs> I know. I just found it. I'm like, I just got to open this article. It's Caitlin Kopic in an article she wrote on astrology, mag- astrology and magic, which is coming out in the Wellbeing 2020 guide. Oh. Um, and she says Venus. Uh, Yes. Well, she's actually talking about Venus in the sixth house being sort of too close to Cinderella. And I think there's a little bit of that with Venus mm-hmm. in Virgo. It's like so much effort is required. It's like, where's the pleasure? And Venus in Virgo just needs to take their expectations of themselves down a notch or five. Basically. Yes. Yes. Because there is that perfection quality there. Yeah. Um, they to push themselves lady. hard. Yes. Yeah. Well, and if we think about it too, because Virgo can be a rather shy sign as well. And and Venus is supposed to be our fun-loving gal that is out there, you know, connecting with others. And so I'm thinking there could be a disconnect there. Um, And that could be connected with the worry of how it's going to, you know, play out and, you know, um, or especially if you've had uh, relationships or friendships that were not as pleasing. Um, and the expectations, like you said, don't go quite the right or right way. What I use that way you will, but, um, yeah. So then there can be that pulling back or that shyness or that maybe not as open or hiding or I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, so the issue with Venus in Virgo or one of them is that the head gets in the way of the pleasure principle. Mm -hmm. So it's like you overthink things and that means you're not in the moment enjoying it. You know, and if you do have some insecurities of some kind, or you're really worried about whatever it happens to be to do with your appearance, that is going to occupy your space and make it a little bit trickier for you to be there in the moment having fun. Um, I mean, Venus in Virgo can make uh, really practical offerings that do support people. And there's a wonderful sort of healing energy. You know, there can be great connection with food and herbal medicine or herbal wisdom with Venus in Virgo. Uh, but yeah, there, there's definitely a few internal hurdles for her to overcome there. For sure. Yes. So we, we have pluses and minuses in these positions, of course. <laughs> um, yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> um, now what about in between Venus, Kelly, when we have like, say we have Venus, uh, like myself, I have Venus in Cancer, um, Gemini, Sagittarius, you know, these are all signs where she's not, you know, she's not one or the other. How does she Yeah, no, that? and this is great. <laughs> I liked how you described that in our show notes, like the in-between signs. <laughs> so there's a couple of things. I don't know how technical we want to get. Um, Venus is fairly comfortable in cancer if it's in the daytime chart, for instance. So there's a little bit there that's kind of nice. Even Venus in Capricorn can be kind of nice. Um, that's more of a nighttime gift. But one, when Venus is not in you know her rulership or her detriment signs, she's a little going she's going to be more influenced by the condition of the ruling planet of whatever sign she's in. So if you've got Venus in Cancer, then where is the moon in your birth chart? And that's really going to flavor whether Venus in Cancer is a little bit happier or a little bit more restricted. Uh, so Venus in Gemini, for instance, have a look and see what Mercury is doing in your chart. Uh, Venus in Sag, for instance, you know, see what Jupiter is up to. So I think in any situation, Venus is going to be influenced by whatever planet is ruling her, but she's more neutral. You know, when we say planets in one of their strong signs, they've got a real strength or vitality uh, to offer. I, I describe it as having a talent or a gift to share. 
And then when Venus is in one of her restricted or weaker signs, like Venus in Virgo or Venus in Scorpio or Venus in Aries, there's usually a, a type of problem that she's really concerned with. And that can be the individual is concerned with that, or they just want to help solve problems of this nature in society. So Venus can, she's a little bit more, I might do this and I might do that. She can be a little bit more influenced by external factors when she's in the in-between signs, if you like. Yes, yes. Because essentially she's deferring to other planetary energies that are like helping or (laughs) depending on what the nature of the aspect is and and even if they're talking to each other, you know. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so very interesting. Now, how about you, Kelly? Where where's your Venus sitting? Oh yeah, my Venus is in Capricorn. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. I usually say that means I love old things, and that's why my husband's older than me. <laughs> oh, which and he always jokes. Um, you know, he's like, I have things in my charts that indicate I love old things too. <laughs> So we live in this really beautiful old home that's like a 130-year-old home and and that feeds, you know, that love of old stuff for both of us. But I'm also, you know, Venus in Capricorn. um, I have Venus in my 11th house of friendships. So I tend to have a few really close friends that I just have like forever, basically. Mm. So Capricorn is like a a longevity. There's a little bit more of a shy tone. you know, like when I meet new people, if we're out socially, it can take me a little bit of time to warm up. But once I feel safe with someone, then, you know, I can settle into it because there's an earth quality there. Um, yeah. So yeah. I think that's probably how that comes out. Yeah. And I'm, I'm on the other side of you over there yeah, on Cancer. Cancer. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it, well, and Venus is kind of funny in my chart just because it's one of the only planets that really doesn't aspect another planet. Oh, um, interesting. I mean, it, it, it has a really loose sextile <laughs> with Saturn, but I mean, <laughs> um, but it's, it's not really jiving with anything else. And if you look at like uh, what Tony Howard talks about, uh, I, it's also on the border of out of bounds as well. Ah. And I, I found that that has played interesting in my relationships, um, especially in my youth before we, before we know any better. <laughs> Um, I had no, especially I have a South node in in the fifth house. And so in my youth, I had no problem attracting other people, but it's almost like the Venus at the top of the chart that wasn't interacting with things. It was hard to like, per se, catch me, catch me if you can. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, I think this is really important for Venus. So one of the working theories I've been playing around with is that the inferior planets, which are not inferior in terms of not being as good. It's just got to do with the hierarchy order of the planets. Mm-hmm. Moon, Mercury, and Venus are the three inferior planets. And they are especially influenced by their aspects and their speed and the out-of-bounds factor that you're talking about. So they are the kinds of planets that if they can be aspected by something else in the chart, even if they're aspecting each other, like a Mercury-Venus aspect or a Moon-Mercury or a Moon-Venus aspect, it does help to really energize them. So I, I love how you said that, Noel, where you're like, my Venus at the top of my chart, she's not really aspected, you know, and she kind of, uh, it's like, catch me if you can. I think that's yeah. Well, and to speak to your uh, power of progressions is really when my Venus really started to get activated in many ways once my progressed Mars uh, conjuncted it and actually finally had an aspect, you know, that was like really (laughs) bringing Venus matters to the (laughs) forefront in many ways. Um, 
sometimes good, sometimes challenging, but that speaks to the power of progressions and the situation that I'm talking about where... Absolutely, Mel. And I think that's really important too, that aspects lead to action. And so even if in your natal chart, there's a planet that isn't making a lot of aspects, at some point in your life by progression, you're going to get the aspects and the activation, and then you can get things moving, which is fantastic. Yes. And so, yeah, so that's, so if you find yourself like me and you're looking at the chart and you're like, my Venus is without really, yes, it, at some point <laughs> there's going to be something saying something to it. Um, whether transit progression, you know, if it's activated by perfection that year and, and then the transits around it. So there's a lot Venus can be doing, even if she doesn't look like she's doing. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of layers for sure. Yes. And so, okay, so Kelly, I find this interesting now that we've talked about dignity for a little bit. That yeah. in, okay, so the second that Venus moved into Aries, mm-hmm. I've seen so many weddings. What do you well, think about that? Probably weren't picked by astrology. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, no one has cast this chart. Correct. <laughs> or, I mean, this is the tricky thing, like with wedding elections or electional astrology, um, people do get married all the time. And even though if I was picking a wedding chart for someone, there are very few situations I could imagine where I'd go with a Venus in Aries chart, you know, depending on the time of day, um, there is a period, you know, there is one great aspect on May 9th where Venus is going to be trying Jupiter and that's a lovely configuration, mm-hmm. but maybe the couple both have Venus in Aries or maybe that makes a connection to the moon in the charts for the couple or what have you. So even though on paper, Venus in Aries is so independent that you might think that's not the kind of wedding influence I might have, it can be right for some couples in some circumstances. Yeah. I just thought it was so interesting because it was like, uh, one was the, the day it was at zero degrees Aries. And then yesterday I was looking through a feed and it was a wedding photo. And then the next photo was also someone's wedding photo. They had married on the same day. They had posted within like a few minutes of each other and they don't know each other at all. But I was just like, what is this theme that's going on here? Yeah. I Um, mean, yeah, I, I, it's sort of like, you, you sort of have to then think, yeah, what else is happening? Um, either what aspects is Venus making in the sky? Cause one of the aspects she is going to make on May 7th is that Venus will square Saturn there's a better version of Venus Saturn aspects at the end of the month on May 31st. That's the one I would pick for the wedding because it's Venus in Taurus trying Saturn in Capricorn. Yes. But, you know, again, um, if we need to bring a bit of Saturn in, uh, so it's, it's a little tricky to, to see how it plays in. But I mean, I remember a few years ago, Venus moved into Taurus and, uh, <coughs> My sister was getting married that year and I had helped her pick the date and a friend tweeted, he goes, interesting, Venus moves into Taurus and an astrologer's sister gets married. And uh, so, you know, (laughs) we'll see this swell of things happening. Oh, that's funny. Um, Well, and Venus, when she moves into Taurus, which we'll get here to in a second with some planetary pairs, is uh, she's going to hit... I'm, I don't know if it's the first time, maybe the second, but you're, she's going to hit Uranus in a conjunction. Has she done this before? Yeah, I'm like, let's just quickly check. Um, I, am not, I can't remember either. She did not do it last year. She had already been through Taurus. So this is a very, I think it's probably one of the most important aspects for May, which is Venus conjunct Uranus at three Taurus. It's happening on the full moon weekend of May 18. Of course. And this is, of course, like that's just going to be the wild weekend 
weekend. I just put a blog post up this morning on my website just saying that is the dramatic weekend in May. Uh, Venus Uranus, yeah, that is absolutely going to be insightful and eventful in terms of two things. I think it is going to help show each of us individually what the longer trend of Uranus and Taurus is about for us. The reason it's so important that Mel and I are getting so excited here is that Uranus is in one of Venus's signs. And so it's like, I know Uranus is a big planet, doesn't really take a lot of orders from anyone, but he is kind of guided by Venus. Yeah. I'm also excited to see collectively what kind of news events and news headlines we see coming through in the papers and on the news websites that weekend, because that's going to show us what Uranus and Taurus is about as a collective. Mm, yes. And just a little side note, not to divert too yeah. much, but you might find this interesting with the Uranus in Taurus um, and just the alternative food sources that are coming out now. Um, yes. And me being a vegetarian. I, okay. So I just read an article about the Impossible Burger and it's impossible to keep up with the demand. And so right. all, you know, the, here we have these new alternatives of, and people are going gravitating towards them, but they literally cannot produce as much as they're because they've made big deals with you know like Burger King and um, you know all these. And this is like the, <laughs> this is the vegan burger that sort of tastes like a meat burger. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I think we are going to see. I mean, one of the last times Uranus was in Taurus um, it was just around World War Two era, if memory serves me correctly. We had a, one of the things that World War Two led to was all of this innovation in food technology, food preservation in terms of getting food to the troops while they were on the front lines. Mm. Now, not all of the innovations turned out to be safe in hindsight, but it is that food innovation, food technology, that is a huge thing uh, of the Uranus in Taurus threads that we'll see. Yeah, I, I thought that was very interesting because I was excited yeah. that it came up as an option, obviously, because us veggies have been pushing for something for a while. Um, yeah. But I, I'm so, it's like, a, it's kind of a blessing that, that, you know, there's such a demand that it's like, okay, this is clearly a direction we need to be heading, uh, but also to think that they can't even. <laughs> can't, like literally can't keep up with it. With I mean, it. that's yeah. fantastic. Yes. That's fantastic. So my Venus is craving the impossible yes. and it is impossible right now. <laughs> And that's, I mean, that's Venus, Uranus, and Taurus too, isn't it? It's like things that are unexpected, out of the blue, like this is so groundbreaking and innovative, we could never have imagined it, and all of a sudden it's happening. Yes, yes. And yeah. so, well, let's, well, since we're on the topic of Venus and Uranus in, in general, yeah. um, let's talk about it in, I mean, we're talking about in the skies, but maybe we can tap into what it looks like in someone's chart, because Uranus does have that... Um, that uh, it's an unusual or unstable quality to it at times where it vacillates or, you yes. know, can change with the wind in a, in a sense. <laughs> yeah. So- Uranus is, is like uh, volcanic. It's volatile. It, it definitely creates flux or movement or change around things that have previously been steady and stable. And Sometimes things are steady and stable and we are comforted by that, but in other times things are steady and stable and we're bored by that. Mm. So whether you're comfortable or bored, Uranus in Taurus is going to ask you to refresh, uh, to do things differently, to try new technologies, to break with the habits or the patterns that are kind of, they're so ingrained, they're almost unconscious. And that's where the shock factor comes from is that you don't realize how unconscious it's become. And Uranus makes you much more present in, in the present moment because things are happening right now that demand your attention. 
Yes. Yes. And absolutely. Because I think that, and that's the thing with Venus and and Uranus meeting, especially in Taurus and Venus being so strong. Like I, there, there is, I like to think of Uranus as like shaking off debris, you know, because we have to raise it higher in in many ways. And, And sometimes to do that, you might need some, um, some space and some freedom in the situation or you feel like you knew that need that. And that's why I need to kind of shake it up. And I resonate with the whole like boredom thing and maybe complacency or being in such a, uh, you know, Torian rooted routine, you know, like this is just, we sit on the couch every night and we eat our desserts together. And like, (laughs) and I think that, um, there will be some slight discomfort around what was comfortable. And then that is what, quakes things up a little bit to kind of shake it up, hopefully, or at least that's what I see with my own life. (laughs) Absolutely. And I know people often hear Uranus and know that it's associated with change and the unexpected. And it's very normal to feel a bit anxious about what that might mean. But Uranus is often about helping you create change in a situation that you're actually feeling quite restricted by. Because one of the feelings that's very common if Uranus is stirring your chart is this feeling of frustration and restlessness. Like, I just have to get out of this situation or I have to change it. I'm feeling really pressured. Mm. And so usually you want change in the way that Uranus is triggering it. I get not always, but there is just as often the chance that you will like it. And Uranus is really activating the degrees between two and six degrees of Taurus in 2019. So if you have any chart factors like a planet or an angle at two, three, four, five, or six degrees of any of the fixed signs, so that would include Taurus, but it also extends to Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius, then you are getting a direct Uranus activation in 2019. So it is a year to kind of embrace change, you know, shake things up, really kind of get curious and step outside your comfort zone more than just staying with the routines. Yes. Now, speaking of routines and uh, possible, you know, confinement or restriction, let's talk about Venus and Saturn together because that's kind of the first kicker off of, of our Venus transits that are happening here. Yes. Square to Saturn over in Capricorn. Um, and so, I mean, Saturn is not not necessarily a binding principle <laughs> by any means. No. And at the same time, because it can hold that like glue. Like, so... Kelly, help me out with uh, Venus and Saturn together. Yeah, so Venus in Aries will square Saturn in Capricorn on May 7th. And the funny thing is Venus and Saturn are both planets that are interested in things that last, but this square aspect is telling us that they disagree on what should last or what should be done to make something last. Mm. And so this square is sort of suggesting that some adjustments to the plan or to the commitment might be required. And so squares are aspects of tension or discord. And so things are not going along smoothly when Venus squares Saturn. You thought you had a good plan and then you bump into Saturn and you realize that you've forgotten to factor in something significant like time or money or a prior commitment. Yes. And so that is where the reevaluation, restructuring adjustment is going to be required. So mm-hmm. if you can be a little flexible rather than headstrong, you can actually renegotiate something. Um, and that could be in your career, you've got to renegotiate a deadline with your boss or a coworker. It might be that there's a financial renegotiation because you thought you were going to be able to pay your tax bill on time and now you've realized you're not going to be able to. 
Um, it may be a renegotiation in a romantic relationship or a friendship where you've made a commitment to another person, but you've just had your deadline changed at work and now you can't do that thing. So there is a little bit of short-term pain for long-term gain with Venus square Saturn, where you're kind of having to juggle between what needs to be done now, but what's important that still needs attention, but you will have to choose. That's the the necessity of Saturn is you must make a choice between something you'd like to do and something you don't want to do, but you kind of have to. Yes. Because Saturn is very decisive in that in that way. It kind of ropes things off and puts boundaries in, in areas and it has very practical concerns. So, you know, it's, it's not like that fluffy uh, Venus that we were talking about earlier. It kind of brings no. in the like... What's, this, what's the reality of this here? What do we need to get done? Or how do we work together to get something done? Or, you know. Absolutely. In Absolutely. these moments. Now, how about, when, okay, so that's kind of a flavor of the transit. So what about when you have this in, internally? You know, when Venus and Saturn are meeting uh, either in a flowing aspect or, you know, a, a square or opposition or something. Um, because that, that, I've seen that a lot when people may have struggles with relationships um, or, you know, for whatever reason, and everyone has a million reasons. But <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think one of the specific reasons that Venus, say, square Saturn or opposite Saturn or even maybe conjunct Saturn can have troubles in relationships is that there's often a self-worth factor with Venus Saturn. That's one of the possible issues that a a difficult Venus Saturn aspect can indicate. And what that means is that you, sometimes you learn in childhood, if you've got a Venus Saturn aspect, that your needs are not important or that commitments and duties and obligations come before the satisfaction of your needs. Mm. So if you learn that in childhood, the message you get is in having fun, indulging, pleasure is sort of bad or should be very low priority. And therefore, there's a hyper-responsible quality that tends to come through. So Venus Saturn people can be very reliable. They tend to be a person of their word. They follow through with what they say they'll do. But they find, they can find it hard to kind of slow down or relax. And that can sometimes be that they never learned it was okay to enjoy themselves as a child. And so there's some reparenting that's often needed Mm -hmm. as an adult because to have a really lovely relationship, you have to A, be able to relax and enjoy time with yourself first before you can do that with someone else. And that's often how we do our bonding. And so shifting that balance between sort of hard work or always doing versus resting and enjoying, that can take some some effort. Or it's like you've got to relearn how to do that when there's a Venus Saturn. Mm. Yes, that's very interesting. And actually a good segue into uh, how Venus and Mars relate. Because I love how um, uh, I have a quote from Robert Hand here when he was speaking on the Venus-Mars polarity. And he said, unless you have established yourself as an individual, Venus cannot operate properly in your life. You have to express yourself, be what you really are before you can love or be truly loved. And I feel like that really, uh, that kind of tied into what you were just saying there about the maybe reparenting yourself or like uh, what your own needs are in order to kind of open up to that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I always say self-love has to come before romantic love. If you don't have, you know, Lynn Bell used this beautiful quote about Saturn in Capricorn at the Norwalk conference last year. And she talked about, 
you know, how that can describe the parts in ourselves that have hardened against themselves. Mm. And that hardening can happen with Venus Saturn. Venus is supposed to be wet and about bonding, but Saturn is very drying. So if you have no softness or tenderness or sort of love and, and affection and warmth, if you have none of that towards yourself, there's nothing to contribute to a relationship. And one of the the very unconscious projections of a Venus Saturn person, you know, if they've never done any work or they're not aware, they're like, this person doesn't love me enough. And it's like, well, hang on. They're actually showing you, here's six examples of their devotion to you. But that Saturn can unfortunately be a barrier where you cannot see or receive the love and affection that is being given to you. And that barrier was usually put there in childhood for a survival reason. And that becomes a bit of a deeper psychological process to point out that it's there and then to offer, you know, the question that maybe sometimes you can take a brick out and let a little bit of something get through Mm. to uh, slowly warm things up basically. Yes. Yes. Well, it's so, it's interesting to think of, cause I have a couple of friends that were born um, in, I think about 88 who have that Saturn Uranus conjunction. And I have a few friends that have Venus square that. And so I was just thinking about the principle of, you know, uh, activating Saturn and Uranus, which are, they're, they have some similarities, but they also don't <laughs> at all. And so there can be like kind of a, maybe a swing of, uh, you know, sometimes it's more the Saturn, sometimes it's more the Uranus. And so what happens, Kelly, when you have Venus uh, like tapping into two planets at the same time that are actually kind of conflicting in in energies? Um, Not on the same page, I guess is what we're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. If you have Venus making an aspect to both Saturn and Uranus or even Saturn and Neptune in your chart, there is um, a bit of a, a tug of heart, if you like, between those two different dynamics. I usually get my Virgo on at that point and go all the way down to the nitty gritty of the degrees and which which planet is Venus applying to versus separating mm-hmm. from. So you can get a little bit technical and sometimes that can help you figure out, okay, the Venus-Uranus aspect is separating so it more indicates events from the past and then the Venus-Saturn aspect might be applying. So that's going to be the one that I'm working with more throughout my life as a lifelong trend. Um, but usually just from a practical experiential perspective, you will sometimes flip where you might do Venus Saturn in some relationships and then in other relationships, you'll do Venus Uranus. Sometimes it's specific to different circumstances. So you might do more Venus Saturn with family and then in your love life, your dating life, you might do more Venus Uranus. In an ideal world, you will have both planets having some expression. So the key is if if Venus is genuinely aspecting both kind of at the same time or really closely together, you need both the commitment and the loyalty of what Venus Saturn might indicate, but you also need to have some of the freedom and independence and kind of free-spirited energy that Venus Uranus indicates. You can't if you try to do one without the other, you're going to, you end up in this situation where you're flip-flopping because inside you, you need a bit of both. Yes. Yes. You need both. Yes. That's 
a perfect way of looking at it. And cause, cause a lot of times we just kind of can, you know, seesaw from one side to the other until we realize that's wait, I have to honor both of these needs at the same time. Um, and sometimes that can be hard to do, especially if the needs seem that, you know, that there are polarized from each other too. And so finding the balance, which essentially is what we're talking about with Venus because Venus is finding the balance and the unity and bringing all the parts together. So we work in this functioning whole. Um, <laughs> and totally. so, yeah. yeah. Um, so now, okay. So Kelly, so if we have talking about aspects, cause we obviously have flowing aspects that they just do their thing. And then we have these tensor aspects that might cause some friction or, or even just activate in some way. So now what if we have Venus, say Venus is flowing to a, a malefic like Saturn <laughs> or Mars, um, versus Venus in maybe a tense configuration with with Jupiter, who's supposed to be benefic. Like how do those scenarios play out? (laughs) Yeah, these are really great questions, Mel, because now you're getting into the nuances between the nature of the planet that Venus is aspecting versus the quality of that interaction, Mm -hmm. which is described by the aspect. So something like a trine or a sextile between, say, Venus and Mars or even Venus and Saturn, that can be really productive and it can have some very positive elements because in a trine aspect, the two planets want to work together. And so they're a little bit more amenable to the other planet's input, which means, you know, say Venus trine Saturn, which funnily enough, we do have coming up at the end of May. Mm. That's an aspect where Venus and Saturn are on the same page. We both want longevity or we both want to make this commitment. We're both willing to compromise. We're both willing to work together. Venus square Saturn is like we want different things and we're having a fight about it. Venus trine Saturn is we're on the same page and we're just working through the logistics of make the one thing we agree on happen. Yeah. Venus in a hard aspect, if you like, to Jupiter. So Venus square Jupiter or Venus opposite Jupiter. I actually have a phrase that I use in client consults for this all the time. It's a little bit like too much of a good thing. (laughs) That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Like it's not bad per se. Venus square Jupiter or Venus opposite Jupiter creates what I call the unreciprocated generosity pattern, which means I'm like, your friends love you or your partner loves you because you're always going over and above. I said, but you're not getting back. There is a, there's a bit of inequality, you know, because Jupiter does things in this large scale way and squares and oppositions are clues that things are, they're not um, smooth. There, there's um, like tension or there's... Um, uh, sort of some angst in there. Mm. So yeah, Venus square Jupiter, it's two positive planets coming together, but you know, that leads to excess. So you're giving too much, you're spoiling your partner too much. And these sound like good things, but they, you know, everything has to be done in moderation and a, a Venus square Jupiter or Venus opposite Jupiter doesn't know what moderation is and has to learn to scale back. And I say, you know, someone with Venus opposite Jupiter, I'm like, even if you gave 60% of the time compared to what you would like to give, you would still be considered a generous person. You've just brought that generosity into a more sustainable level for you. You you haven't become a bitch. You haven't become selfish. Just taking the extreme edge off basically. Yeah. And that might be, might be where some of the tension is, is like being able to pull back and not give, 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 because some people are just wired to like 
take it all. Like I'm, yes, <laughs> it's like I'm connecting yes. this way, you know? Um, yeah. hundred percent. And that's where, you know, it sounds like giving a lot should be an amazing thing, but it is possible to give too much. Yes. Well, cause you have to have some left for yourself. And so that comes back to our yeah. Venus Mars uh, principle that we were discussing. You also want to save some for later, you know, like it's good to leave people <laughs> wanting a little bit, you know, in a romantic situation, if, you, if you're going to have like a 50 year relationship, you, you don't want to do everything in the first five minutes, basically. That is so, that's so true because you can, you can burn out or like you just get like the bonding. It just happens so fast that, yeah, there's nothing left to share at that point. I mean, you can create things to share beyond that, but, but it's true. It's, it's nice to leave a little, uh, you know, as they say, mystery is nice in relationships sometimes. It is. Might be leave my- the door closed. Yeah. Only just leave the door closed. Um, I'm doing like ba- bathroom habits, obviously, which is yeah. really not been a stupider thing, but it reminds me of this quote, you know, I read that book, The Happiness Project years ago by Gretchen Rubin when it came out. It was a beautiful book. And one of the four principles, there's like three or four principles about, you know, how to create and, and sort of um, support happiness in life in general. And she talked about, it's not just having a happy, positive event. There is a before and after that actually contributes to the happiness quotient. And the before piece is the, when you've planned and prepared for something and you're anticipating it, she's like, you're actually creating happiness by anticipating a happy event. Then you have the nice dinner out or the lovely holiday, or you give the special gift or whatever. And then the part that comes after is when you reminisce about things you've done. And she said, each of those three factors contributes happiness. It's not just the thing itself. And so kind of what we're speaking about is you don't want to give everything right away because you want to create some of that anticipation and you want to have some of those quiet times where you can be remembering the wonderful things that have already happened. Mm. And Venus-Jupiter aspects like squares or oppositions, they will not contain themselves by nature. So they have to learn to contain, basically. That's the learned behavior that will balance that aspect pattern. Oh, I love that. That is so true because, I mean, the experience does have those layers of that um, essentially you're talking about past, present, future. To it kind of, it basically, yeah. that's exactly it. Yeah. Yes. Cause we, we open to the future and how we see that's going to be. And if we're, you know, <laughs> feeling good about that, then of course there's the moment. And if we feel good in the moment and then after the fact, especially if we don't feel good in the moment, maybe the reminiscing isn't as, doesn't feel as great, um, either. So that's an interesting, that's a funny point though, Mel, you know, sometimes you have these things like we had this trip, right. Once I'm sure we like where there's some frustrating moments about the trip, but as a whole, when you look back on it, some of those frustrating moments aren't in your memory as much as those three or four amazing things that you did do. So it is weird how our perception or memory of things change, changes over time. I mean, this is very Venus Saturn to be talking about time and memory. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that is one of our components here, but it's interesting because yeah, Venus sometimes, um, or not Venus, but just when you I mean, how many times have you been like, oh, I can laugh about it now? 
Yes. You know, yes. like, and like when you're in the moment, and it was just maybe horrific or embarrassing or like whatever. And then, you know, 20 years passes or maybe not even that much, but you look back and now it's a story where you all laugh, even though it was not like. That. Absolutely. Where there's almost like a shameful component in the moment. And that's the stress or the anxiety that, that can be there in the present. But in hindsight, you know, I think in the context of a relationship, you know, you have those rough patches where you're like, that was really difficult to get through. But, and then we say this in longer relationships, the fact that we got through it, now we're stronger or there's more of a solid foundation. We've got a level of trust or commitment or stick to it kind of energy that we didn't have before we dealt with that, that challenge or that difficulty. Yeah. Cause essentially we bond through experience and some of Absolutely. those experiences are more intense, uh, which speaking of intense though, I know we don't have time to run through all the planetary placements there, but I did want to touch on Venus and Pluto together because yes. they are also <laughs> mingling. Yes. And so that's bringing some of that in, in, intensity to the relationships and having to maybe go there um, or deal, deal with power dynamics. And so, Kelly, I mean, how do you see Venus and Pluto working together and especially in this upcoming square? Uh, and then the yeah. time really after that. Well, and that's, I think this is really interesting, Mel, just as a tiny little um, excerpt before, before I answer your question about Venus square Pluto. In May and early June, we have Venus make difficult aspects to Saturn and Pluto. And then like three weeks later, she makes helpful aspects to Saturn and Pluto. So we're all going to get a chance to go from that's the hard version of Venus Saturn or Venus Pluto to uh, this is the easier or this is the more productive version. So yeah, Venus um, square Pluto May 9th and then Venus is going to trine Pluto early in June around the second or third. So I'm going to uh, check my trusty yeah. <laughs> Uh, which I use every single day. Highly recommend. Uh, so handy. very handy. <laughs> Venus square Pluto. Uh, <clears throat> it is about trust. It's about loyalty, and it can be about broken trust or broken broken loyalty, like betrayal, basically. Pluto doesn't want anything superficial. So when Venus is entangled with Pluto, relationships and even life, invent, life events are really intense and they're about very deep or profound topics. It's like we're going into the depths. You might have to be more honest. You might have to share things that you normally keep very private. You might have to discuss a topic that is typically taboo, basically. And Venus, particularly if she's trying Pluto, this can help you do that sensitively. Um, Venus square Pluto, you know, there, there can be a power struggle. You know, every relationship has power imbalances. They can be small, they can be large, they can be about big and important topics or small and insignificant topics. But whenever Venus and Pluto are an aspect in the sky, like this square on, on May 9, th there's going to be some tension around a power dynamic um, where you don't have control over something that you want control over or somebody else wants control over something that you normally take charge mm. of. So it's like a readjustment around who is actually dominating around what topic. Now, Pluto, as I said, he's about some of those really core private topics. And usually in romantic relationships, the two big issues we're going to see power struggles around are sex and money. So it's like who's holding the power around sexual intimacy and connection versus who's holding the power to do with money and finances. 
And Venus square Pluto will kind of trigger or boil over something that's maybe been simmering for a little while. So just pay attention, I think, around, I would say May 8, 9, and 10th when Venus is just kind of going through all of that territory there. There's going to be something that you realize is not working or that has not been as open, like either you or your partner have not been as open about something as should be. And we need to, you know, get that honesty With Venus Pluto, honesty leads to intimacy. So you have to share more. You have to be vulnerable. You have to get raw. You have to get real. And nobody likes doing that. So you've got to think about, do I need to keep my armor on if we quote Brene Brown? Or can I open up and show what's really going on for me here? Yeah. Because if controlling something, there's usually something we're trying to protect. So if that's a sexual matter or a financial matter, you've got to go underneath. What is the control about? Where does it come from? So you could really do some psychological sort of stuff with <laughs> Pluto. If yes. you're interested, basically. Or you can just have a big fight with your partner. I mean, it's up to you. Basically. Yes. It could go either way or maybe both. Yep. Who knows? They lead The yep. fight that leads to the, like, the deeper connection. Absolutely. And to pull it back to even what we first started this whole conversation on when we were talking about Venus and Aries and people being in kind of their own uh, trajectories and yep. mind states right now and bringing in Pluto with power dynamics and just Capricorn in general uh, is is definitely about control, can be about control issues. And so I'm thinking that a lot of us might just have our own thing going on. And then and it, whether that's the trajectory or where we're like you know, attracted in the paths that we're on. And then we're going to converge in this space. Maybe one will be like, come over to my side. And the other one's come over to my side. I'm like, I'm on yes. my side. This is my side. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, and I think that just as you were saying that, Mel, I'm like, yeah, of course, this particular Venus square Pluto aspect has Venus in independent Aries and Pluto in long-term Capricorn. Mm-hmm. So some of the tension is going to be about each person doing individual things to satisfy a need in the present and how that's impacting the long-term plan or strategy that maybe you're supposed to both be working towards that. And I mean, I think about this, say, with money. Maybe you've got this goal where you want to save to buy a house, but people are so busy in the present that we're spending too much money on takeout or clothing or movies or what have you. And it's like, well, how can we better adjust what's happening between the independent stuff and that shared kind of long-term vision that we might have previously agreed on? So it can be like a pressure point. Um, yeah, yeah, and there, I mean, just Venus and Aries in general might be a little more impulsive or a little fickle and, and things are, are up in the air and we, you know, we're just initiating. It's all speculation or passion right now. Um, but, you know, I think, well, especially as Venus goes and makes that conjunction to Uranus, I think that especially people that might have started relationships during this time zone, time zone, this time period with Venus and Aries, you know, there, there are tests of that longevity uh, coming up. And then, as, as you said, once Venus makes that trine to Pluto and from a, a part, uh, from a place of her um, strength in Taurus, I think that that's kind of the coming, you know, like that either whatever happened with the square is either going to like, like you said, get honest and come together and they'll strengthen, or perhaps that will be the flow. That's like, okay, well this, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, and that's a beautiful way of thinking about it. Like whatever you disagree or whatever you're at odds with each other about around May 9th, you come into some sort of, like you get the solution or the tension is gone and you're back on the same page by the time we get to June 2nd and 3rd. 
Yeah. So, you know, Venus is saying all types of things right now and we're going to, and so, you know, if this is a great time, if you study astrology to just pay attention because, you know, especially when one planet hits so many other planets in a row, much like we have Mercury doing that this week, as Kelly and I are talking, we get a flavor of what all that looks like together. Um, and it'll just help our understanding further. I know it helps me. I'm sure it helps you as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, It's paying attention to just observing what's coming up in your life with your relationships, with your work, with your family, and then being aware of what's happening astrologically. It's one of the best ways to kind of start connecting or linking astrological aspects with real life events. And that is what will make you a wonderful astrologer going forward. Yes. Experience is our best teacher. Um, (laughs) So now real quick before we wrap it up, um, Kelly, do you have any suggestions to work with Venusian energy or like as it's happening or like even, even fresh flowers? I mean, anything that can help invoke that. Yeah. So, I mean, look, right now I'm so excited because a dear friend and colleague of mine, Caitlin Kopak, who runs the website Sphere and Sundry, she makes magical um, talismans, if you like. So she has a Venus series. Um, I think actually we're, she's releasing her Exalted Venus in Pisces series today. So she makes like candles and oils and other sort of objects that are infused with really positive, strong Venus energy. So if you, depending on how severe some of your Venus concerns and worries are, I would definitely suggest investing in some of what she's offering. But also some of the things she talks about doing are making a Venus altar, which you can do quite simply at home. Venus's day of the week is Friday. Now, keep in mind, Venus is going to be in home territory and very strong in Taurus starting May 15 till about June 9th. So any Friday in that time frame has very strong Venus energy. Monday night is also the night of Venus. So the best time to create your Venus altar, if you're going to burn some candles or put some you know, fresh flowers on there, the first hour, planetary hour after sunrise on a Friday morning, or the first planetary hour um, as soon as sunset happens on a Monday night. I would definitely include some fresh flowers. Venus's colors are white and green. So you can even just start wearing more white or green clothing, especially on a Friday or a Monday night. Um, so if you, do, if you are interested in creating a Venus altar, Caitlin does have some great suggestions on her website too. But I always love to have fresh flowers around. And that is my little way of keeping Venus active and honored, if you like. You know, people like it's expensive, blah, blah. I'm like, the whole point is you're making an offering to this goddess. You're trying to curry her favor. You're trying to call her attention your way. And she's not going to show up for a $3 bunch of daisies from <laughs> service station. So it's, a, it's, you know, you get out what you put into it basically. Yeah. And as much as it sounds crazy, you might be trying to get your love life going, but some beautiful flowers or, you know, some white candles or what have you, these kinds of things can really enhance the magnetism and the positivity of Venus connection. So Venus magic, once Venus goes into Taurus, I would highly recommend. 
Mm, I love it. Those are great suggestions. And we'll definitely have to link uh, Caitlin's site up uh, to my blog post so that everybody can go check her out and what she's got going on there. And it made me think about my cactus because the only thing I seem to be able to grow are cactus. Um, But my cactuses bloom and they flower and they're beautiful. Okay. So you have, and you mentioned like, I'm like, oh my God, that's very prickly. So the very Mars. I'm like, that's not really the soft, lush Venus vibe we're going for. But there are some people that have more of a drier personality type where the more cactus, aloe vera type plant does work. If your plant is flowering, she is giving you good Venus vibes, basically. Oh, my plants are going off. And I like people are telling, I've had people tell me I should put my cactus in cactus shows. Oh my gosh. So like, I mean, dozens and dozens one plant will just keep blooming for like wow it's it's wild so uh that's my own let's i'm kind of i can be a prickly person so it makes a lot of sense to have (laughs) a cactus that would bloom like okay so i love it you know sometimes this is this but at sometimes this is this lovely thing so all right well kelly you have shared some fabulous information and have given us a lot to think about as we go through venus week or venus two weeks here um now where can people find you? And you definitely want to give a shout out to that uh, fertility webinar you have on Astrology University because I took it and I, it was great. And it's definitely a Venusian topic. Yes, thank you. Yeah, so the best place to find me is my website, Kelly S Astrology. So it's just Kelly's Astrology. And uh, there's a bunch of webinars and online classes there, including the fertility webinar. Uh, so that's where you can find me. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, but I do post, of course, all my blog posts and things. My new blog post for May, um, which talks about my favorite Venus aspect um, happening this month, which is a really positive one. So that's on my latest blog post at Kelly's Astrology. Yes. And, and you might see Kelly on the, the podcast circuit as well with, uh, you know, you have your water trio podcast and, uh, and the astrology podcast. And uh, yes. Yeah, so yeah, I'm a little bit of a chatterbox. So yeah, I do a couple of podcasts regularly. Um, I join my two friends, Austin and Chris on the astrology podcast each month for a month ahead show. And that's a really detailed, deep dive, two hour, you know, it's a, it's a more um, sort of engaged, deep commitment. And then I have a shorter 30 minute show that I do each week with two dear astrology friends, Cassandra and Alicia. So that's the Water Trio Astrology Podcast. Both of those you can find everywhere you can find this wonderful podcast, Mel. So iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, all of the above. And and that's probably where people are listening to us now. Yeah. Absolutely. So Kelly is definitely out there and she has plenty to share on many levels. So definitely go check her out. Um, Now, some of the things that we talked about here today and some of those links I will have over on my uh, website, which you can find at energeticprinciples.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles. And of course, my Patreon, if you would like to support the podcast, can be found at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Um, and so now people do need to hear about Venus and people actually like hearing about Venus. So, you know, spread the good word, share this podcast with a friend, uh, with, you know, someone who needs a little Venus, someone needs a little Venus help, you know, 
whatever. We're, we're here for that. Um, and definitely, uh, if you like what you hear, give a nice review on iTunes because that helps the uh, podcast be seen uh, far and wide and also Kelly and myself. And so it's just a, a nice gesture, um, a giving gesture of Venus. <laughs> I'm really playing it up here. Um, no, I like, people need to show you some Venus and just give you a five star or even a four star, like uh, whatever they, whatever is yes. genuine. Whatever, yes, uh, you know. Whatever is genuine, but yeah, the, the reviews make such a difference for your podcast, don't they? They do, because it, it shows that people are, are watching and they care enough to say what they think, whatever that might be. Yes, <laughs> um, exactly. Yes. So, all right, everyone. Well, I hope you really enjoyed uh, our mingling with Venus here. And thank you so much, Kelly, for joining me. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure, Mel. Have a wonderful day. I look forward to speaking again soon. Yes. At Norwalk, I will see you there shortly. Excellent. Yes. Yes. So, all right, everyone. Well, thank you for tuning in. And as always, may the stars be with you.